Hello and welcome to Heart Yoga Radio. Doing another indoor recording today as it is a little bit drizzly outside. So today we're going to share with you the, the topic that we have been talking about for most of today and quite a lot of yesterday as well. The rather labyrinthine and complicated issue of this vaccine passport business. And the thing that really sparked up my, my brain with with quite a bit of uh, annoyance this morning was <laughs> listening to a clip of an interview on Radio 5 Live Breakfast, which was on the 13th of December. Tory MP Marcus Fisher was being interviewed on his views about this subject. And we'll play that clip for you in a minute and then we'll just discuss what he said. Uh, but uh, before we do that, I just want to... Uh, talk about the interesting events in Parliament yesterday uh, that uh, Pete was just looking into that just before we came into the yoga mm-hmm. room and <laughs> pressed record. So um, what was it that you were looking at? Well, yesterday uh, the government had a vote in Parliament on their wish to implement what is called Plan B as a response to the uh, very, very rapid spread throughout the country of a new covid variant which is known as omicron we're getting our way through the greek alphabet and that's pretty near the end actually it's about two-thirds of the way through the greek alphabet and this this variant seems to be highly infective more infective than delta and the, the number of infections are doubling every two and a half days or every three days or something of that order massive spread so there's uh movement on the part of the government, as we would expect, and their their plan is to implement Plan B. Of course, this has to go through Parliament. And uh, yesterday, the 14th of December, uh, Parliament did vote on, on Plan B. I suppose I should say what's involved in Plan B, so you know what it is. But Plan B is, is the reintroduction of uh, compulsory masks in most indoor public spaces except hospitality, and the introduction of what it's called the COVID pass for large gatherings. How do they so define the, a large gathering? So it's a nightclubs or settings where large crowds gather, and so the definition of large crowds being unseated indoor events of 500 people or more, or unseated outdoor events of 4,000 people or more, or any event of 10,000 people or more. Yeah, and what is a COVID pass? So a COVID pass, as they're they're calling it, uh, is using the NHS app. So it's proof of uh, vaccinations or proof of a negative lateral flow test. Yeah. And that's all operated through the already extant uh, NHS uh, app that anybody can have on the phone who's uh, who's a British citizen, basically, and has got an NHS number, yeah? This is, this is how we keep our medical records for ourselves these days. Yeah, I'm not sure if you could have anything sort of paper-based, like if you didn't have a phone, but no. uh, that hasn't been mentioned as far as I've, no. I know. So, so that's the situation. So the, uh, yesterday the, the, there was a vote on that. It's politically interesting because 99 Tory MPs, we're expecting 80, but it's 99 Tory MPs seems to be the... I've heard 100 or 99 and... Uh, 
The number does I think vary it, slightly, doesn't I, it? I think it depends who you ask, but I think 99 is, is probably correct. There's uh, like way more than an ever gone against uh, Johnson before, put it that way. It's the biggest rebellion in parliamentary history or something, I was told. <laughs> something, I mean, you know, the biggest and the best. I mean, Johnson's the biggest and the best, you know. World and the most beating. Of, it's oh, wor- yeah. a world beating. Oh, yeah. <laughs> a world-beating va- uh, backbench uh, rebellion of 99 Tory MPs who voted against uh, their leader's uh, desire to uh, implement Plan B. 99 Tory MPs. Now, an interesting twist, and just to give the full picture, we should say this, that Keir Starmer went public and said, because this was a health emergency... Not a matter of party politics that he would, he would get the Labour Party to vote along with the government, which mostly they did. There were some Labour MPs who voted along with the 99 Tory rebels, amongst whom were Diane Abbott, Absana Begum, Dawn Butler, Emma Lewell Book, Clive Lewis, Rebecca Long Bailey, uh, Bell Ribeiro Addy, Graham Stringer, and uh, listed as an independent in Parliament, Jeremy Corbyn. These also voted with the, the rebellious Tories. They they don't like, or the, I dare say there are various reasons for objecting to this uh, Plan B. Well, giving the Tories any more power over our lives is not uh, not yeah. desirable, really. No, <laughs> of course, of course, yeah. you know, and we've pointed out repeatedly that this isn't just a black and white issue about fucking liberty or <laughs> authoritarianism. It, it isn't that. Uh, and we've noted repeatedly, and it's objectively the case, I would say, that the, the, this particular Tory government is moving uh, gradually and consistently in an authoritarian direction, more of which as we proceed with the talk. Now, uh, before we play the interview with Marcus Fish that Anna alluded to at the beginning on Radio 5 Live a couple of days ago, on the breakfast programme uh, in which Marcus Fish was interviewed by uh, Rachel Burden. Before we play that for you, I, sh- I should point out that uh, Marcus Fish is obviously one of the ones who voted against his party and his leader, one of the 99. But he was announcing his intention a good two days prior to the the vote being taken. That's, that's kind of significant, I think. So you can say that there's a play going on, there's a political move going on. Johnson's already in the doghouse <laughs> over over uh, parties and curtain things. gate party gate oh yeah and uh, you know the, the fact that the bloke's incapable of anything. uttering uttering anything unless it's a complete lie etc 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 so he's already in the doghouse and so there's there's political moves behind this you you can piece it together for yourself but obviously there's there's restlessness within the Tory party okay shall we now play the the interview, and then we can go through it. The vast majority of people who are vaccinated feel that their freedoms are being impinged by others who are able to walk around and potentially be infectious and not have to demonstrate that they're not. So if you're talking about freedoms and liberties, it's the liberty to go into a pub and know that the chances of not being infected are greatly diminished because either you've shown your vaccine uh, certification or you've shown proof of a negative LFT. What is no, the problem? We, we, we live in a free society in this country and what you've just said is exactly what we must fight against. 
this idea that there but, but should be freedom papers, not to be infected papers, what about that freedom papers, please a papers please society is an authoritarian state that we should all absolutely resist but i'll say it again just can you answer this for me what about the freedom not to be infected look um we are very well vaccinated in this country it's, it's been a great success people have the freedom to do what they want with their own bodies and the freedom of association and if you want to undo those things you're not worthy of working for the bbc in my opinion well well that's quite a personal statement to make i suppose yes, what i'm is. doing is putting across the case that many of our listeners have they don't want to go into a pub or a restaurant a lot of them if they don't feel safe and secure so well, if you're talking go. about the safety of don't go then you don't you don't <laughs> tell other people what they should do with their bodies sorry don't mm. do it. No, I, I, but the point I'm making is you're not telling someone what to do with their body other than yes, to show are. they've taken a test. I don't... Well, both of those things. You are segregating society based on um, an unacceptable thing. You, we are not a papers please society. This is not Nazi Germany, OK? Mm. No, I, I, don't, I don't think it is. And I think there is a long, long way between what people are being asked to do and Nazi Germany. I don't think you can well, make a direct comparison Well, it's the, thin end, it's the, the thin end of an authoritarian wedge, and that's why we will resist it. But you are and telling everyone to go and get it. a booster. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's, that's a good idea. That's right. a good idea. But vaccine passports is a really, really dangerous step to take. It's hard to listen to that without laughing, actually. It's just so ridiculous. Oh, dear me. What an idiot. <laughs> anyway, let's go through that and just point out the, uh, the the massive problems. I particularly like the uh, the fact that he's trying to present himself as this uh, uh, anti-authoritarian figure, and he says the most authoritarian sentence to the to the interviewer, mm. where he mm. basically says, "Well, I don't like the questions that you're asking me. Therefore, I think you should be sacked." <laughs> like a little failed threat there. I mean, yeah. oh, that's not authoritarian at all. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, it's, he, he's saying that to an employee of the state broadcaster, which is in many instances pretty uh, compliant uh, with uh, the Tory government, you know, that controls the state at this juncture. And he's saying, well... You know, if you if you think a certain way, I don't think you should work for the BBC. And of course, he's you know he's, he's a he's a member of Parliament. He's a part of that government. So it's it, it was just, it was, and and the tone in which you did it, I'd say that it is actually a kind of a, a kind of a threat. You know, yeah. it's a kind of a threat, or, or add a sort of threatening threatening overtone to it at least. Then you can tell. I mean, just from that, you just you just the the, <laughs> the, the, the man has no insight into his condition. <laughs> Just the, another thing that really stood out for me there was this, oh, you don't tell people what to, to do with their bodies. That, that's just absolutely, we would never do that. I mean, they've got all these drug laws which they've just uh, ramped up. Or oh, they want to ramp up. They've signalled that they want to ramp up. Yeah. The, uh, war, the war on drugs again. The you war know. on drugs, yeah, <laughs> yet again. So they're doing everything possible to take away people's freedoms to do what they want with their bodies. Aren't they? Yeah. 
Absolutely. I mean, I don't see him in, at the forefront of a campaign to legalise cannabis, do you? Do you? No. No, no. But what I do see is that the, the, the police have been called into the Palace of Westminster, otherwise known as the Houses of Parliament, to scour it for traces of cocaine, which apparently um, uh, you, you, can, you, can, you can kind of shovel up in copious quantities from the toilet seats, you know. <laughs> All around the place. And I just uh, slight, <laughs> slightly off topic, but this was really funny. When uh, uh, Johnson was, um, I think it was the first day of Crime Week, he was you know, standing with his little police police hat on <laughs> and uh, uh, with police all around him looking all kind of, you know, um, tough on crime. And a, a sniffer dog was jumping all over him excitedly and snuffling at his pockets. He probably got something. Oh, that was really, really funny. Johnson was probably thinking, oh, what a jolly, friendly chappy this is. And the police all standing watching this thinking, wow, well, we know what that dog's he's, actually saying. He's, <laughs> he's got some of the devil's dandruff in his pocket. Mm. It's, it's very interesting that the dog was very interesting. <laughs> anyway, so let's, let's just unpack what our dear Marcus was saying there then. The, the, uh, so the, the interviewer kicks off. Uh, by uh, by really trying to ask about well what about the uh, the freedoms of people who don't want to be infected what about their rights well, and it, freedoms it struck me as a, a, a very very reasonable reasonable question and there is, there is a big sort of general and technical as you like question around freedom the meaning of freedom the meaning of liberty the limits and the scope the desirability Etc. How it plays off against equality, how it plays off against fraternity and solidarity, etc. There are a million, million difficult debates to be had around uh, around freedom. But it seems to me to be a perfectly uh, reasonable question to ask about. What about the freedom not to be infected? I mean, I'm surprised there that he didn't say. Uh, but you can get infected with the vaccine. You can be vaccinated, infected, and infect other people. And that's kind of true, and he could have brought it up. And, and, and I had a question mark over that, but I, it seems... And now I've been looking at an article in New Scientist of October the 23rd, which is pretty unequivocal there. It says, people who are fully vaccinated against COVID-19 are far less likely to infect others despite the arrival of Delta variant. Several studies show. The, the findings refute the, the idea which has become common in some circles that vaccines no longer do much to prevent the spread of coronavirus. And uh, it, 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 it certainly, up until Omicron, it was, it was true. You have a 63% lower uh, uh, likelihood of, of infecting Delta, if you're infected with Delta but you're vaccinated, and a 73% lower chance of infecting with, with Alpha. Uh, Omicron, I don't know. I don't know, to be honest. Um, Yet, and I dare say that uh, there will be some figures emerge on that. But it's it's going to be likely that the uh, vaccination is quite a useful measure against infectivity as well. Uh, anyway, he didn't say that, but I thought I'd put that in there because there must there might be some people out there who belong to those circles that think that there's that that. Uh, I mean, some people even think if you have the vaccine, you're more infectious. You know. <laughs> Yeah, but there you go. So that, that that's my, my my first thing there. I mean, the the thing about it about it is just the sheer hypocrisy. 
in my honest opinion, that this is this is a, a, a willingness to embrace contradiction, or at least the contradictions are lost on him. The latter wouldn't actually surprise me. I do believe that the Tory politicians do not have a functioning truth uh, faculty in that very ordinary, normal sense without getting philosophical. They are kind of epistemologically challenged. Do you think they yeah. haven't noticed that they're ushering in like dictatorship and fascism then? Oh, they like they, they like that, they, and they will say anything to get there. Yeah, like I mean, stuff like this. In other I say, words, I, I say this. I say this because this man voted a few days prior for the uh, the policing bill, the so-called policing bill which virtually criminalises pro- protest in the UK. If that's not authoritarian, I don't know what is. This is a guy who voted for uh, the Pretty Patel's bill that means that the Home Secretary, at his or her whim, can revoke the British citizenship of somebody who happens to have dual citizenship. Just like that, without telling them, just over that just by kind of fiat or edict. And if that's not authoritarian, I don't know what is. In fact, uh, part of looking into this this morning, I did look at the guy's voting record. And it's absolutely shitty. You know, he, vote, he votes against raising benefits for disabled people. You know, So, no, right, no rights for them then? No rights for them. You know, he votes for tightening up immigration law. It's, it's every uh, every move to try and bring something prog- progressive about. He votes against it, even remotely progressive. He votes against it. It's, it's deeply authoritarian, and this party has, has moved inexorably with with the the illegal prorogation of Parliament, the attempt t- to defang any kind of uh, legal oversight of Parliament, which, you know, OK, there's a debate about that as well, uh, you know. But, I mean, it does, am- it does amount to expecting parliamentarians and the government to obey the laws that it itself passes, right? Yeah. So there's something very, very fucking authoritarian about that. And if, if the Singapore on Thames agenda is what they're really up to, which we kind of suspect and have been talking about for a long time, then that would be perfect. I mean, Singapore is just really, really quite authoritarian. Yeah, workers do what they're told, they have to. You know, I, I mean, in this context, this guy, this fish guy, also voted against uh, trade, un- trade union rights, you know, any kind of move to increase trade union rights, voted for contracting trade union rights. He's an authoritarian waller who uh, subscribes to the neoliberal Buchanan-style, Koch brothers-style definition of freedom and liberty. For them, freedom means the freedom to exploit. For them, it's the freedom of billionaires not to get hassled by the government because there are 10 million people in the streets protesting for civil rights. This is what the Kochs did, and this is what Buchanan uh, did all the ideological work for him for, you know. I mean, and the whole thrust of this way of thinking is against people, ordinary people, forming themselves into collectivity so that they can use their weight then to take action 
to get social justice, to get more equality, and so forth. So, uh, this guy's libertarianism, I think, is of a very, very special, uh, now <laughs> liberal kind. And it does, you could accuse somebody of going along these lines of being either an hypocrite or somebody who just is oblivious to the obligation on us to, to try not to be too contradictory, even though... Yeah, I know, po- I know it seems that he is using the situation to to try and paint himself in, in a really good light because, I mean, obviously he's aware of his voting record if anyone yeah. looks up yeah. to see how authoritarian he yeah. really is. But he's got this opportunity to be interviewed, to... Mm big himself up and yeah. and shout about how uh, uh, liberty and freedom and yeah. incidentally vote for me next time. Yeah. Now on top of on top of all that, yeah, I mean we could actually kind of single single out some some contradictions within the text itself, rather than the contra- contradiction within uh, Fish's voting record and the voting record of of the other. 99. We could go through them if we wanted to, you know. But I think you're going to find exactly the same thing. That, that, that this is a very, very partial commitment to freedom and a very, very partial sensitivity to contradiction. But even within the document itself, you've got these, you've got these contradictions and uh, incoherencies, you know. Firstly, refusing to answer, you know, the freedom not to be infected. Well, his answer to that is, well, don't go. Well, that doesn't sound very free, does it? No. Stay at home, then. Just don't. Just, just don't. Have go. no life. There just, you go. That's just, your freedom. Yeah. Have no life. And I'm surprised that uh, Rachel Burden, who, who was the the interviewer, who I thought was doing quite a good job on on it there actually, but she should have turned around and said, "Well, you, you know, right back at you. You could just easily flip that over. You could say to the people, you don't want to get vaccinated. Well, don't go then, couldn't you? I know. It's equally coherent. I know. You know? Yeah. But this is the way he puts it. Everything's slightly evasive and doesn't quite answer the question. He says, we are not a papers please country. Well, well, that's a big fat lie for a I start. I think, for a start, we are a papers please country. You want to get, if, you want to, if you're on a bank account, or you want to change your bank, or you want to, or you want to open a new bank account somewhere, or, I don't know, or, or you want to get an account on a fucking crypto exchange. Or you want to get married. Or you want to get married. Or adopt a child. Or adopt a child. What you have to do, you have to go and produce your passport. Yeah, or, or join or, the doctors. Or your driving licence. You need a doctor. You have to, you have to go show your papers. Yeah, or and if you get place. pulled over, if you, you're driving, get pulled over by yeah. the police, what's the first thing they ask for? Your Where's papers, papers your, your driver's pa- licence. Of course. Yeah. I mean, we are a papers police society. Yeah. And if, if you, uh, it's a point Aaron Bastani made about all this, you know, and if, if, if you... Are a foreigner in this country and are trying to get British citizenship. The amount of paperwork that involves you, you get involved in then. It's a very, very papers please society. And I don't see this going away in the modern world. I think identity is, is going to become more and more of a matter. You know, given, given the electronic culture, which I don't see going away, short of full civilizational collapse. Proof of ownership, for instance, has been something that's been around for a long time. You know, if you have Uh, land or a house or something, you you know, because of the, you know, because of passing it on to your descendants and things. So, yeah, I mean, you 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 try you you try and become get probate, you know, to do a will for uh, you know, or, or or 
all you have to identify yourself to inherit something. I mean, it's endless. Yeah, I mean, I have a passport, and I haven't been abroad in for years. Twenty years, but I, I have one, and I've used it multiple times we use because them as I need it for my identity. I don't have a driver's license. We use them as my identity. We use them as ID documents. I mean, yeah. just to aside a little bit here, you know, the the the, the, the proper solution here would be, would be that our identities are in our own control, and they're secured by by cryptographic um, immutable ledger, rather than being something that. That that the government controls, but it's completely trustworthy. I don't say that this is going to go go away. I can't say I like it. I mean, I don't like authoritarianism. I like authoritarianism less than this bloke. But uh, but this is the way he went with it. He said, you know, the freedom uh, people have the freedom to do. We are not a papers please country. People have the freedom to do what they want with their own bodies and the freedom of association. This is a guy who voted against. Trade union recognition, in one one uh, uh, in 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 if you look on his voting record, this is a guy who's voted against trade union recognition and trade unionism, which of course is freedom of association. And then of course he, he he then did the thing of threatening the presenter there by saying, you know, if you want to undo these things, you shouldn't be working for the BBC. In my opinion, in his kind of in his ponderous tone, in his affected ponderous tone. I think he sounded a bit drunk to me, but that's yeah. just my opinion, Your Honour. Yeah. I mean, that isn't true. We do tell other people what to do with their own bodies on occasion. There's lots and lots of laws about what you can and can't do with your own body. Yeah. <laughs> that the Tories Yeah, and in. there's lots of, lots of occasions in which the government can, can take over. You know, if uh, mental, a mental health section yeah. can require you by law for, for no criminal reason whatsoever to be incarcerated. To be confined. They can require you by law to have a medical treatment with a dangerous psychoactive drug, you know. They can require you that by law. You know, say, so do you consent to take your Largactyl? No, you're having your Largactyl. We have the power to make you have the Largactyl. Mm. Or whatever it is they use these days. I mean, maybe I'm 30 years uh, out of date with my psychopharmacology there. But Let's move on to the Nazi thing. Yeah. The way it transpired after that was... Uh, Rachel Burden challenged Fish by saying, well, the freedom not to be infected. He's, and he comes out with this thing that we just spoke about. Don't go then. Just don't go to the nightclub. You don't tell other people what to do with their bodies. And then Rachel Burden says, well, it's only about taking a test. It's no kind of big deal. It isn't. In fact, it's a misnomer to call it a vaccine pass. You know, it's a COVID pass because... You're free not to be vaccinated, but if you're going to come in here, you've got to show that you're not infected. But he even that, doesn't he? Well, he disputed that's, that. That's invasive and ha- something happening to your body as well. Well, she's, she kind of intimated there that that isn't really very, very significant intervention on your body. And he, the, this is an uh, interesting technique that he used. It. He changed the subject <laughs> or he moved the goalpost. And then, and then he said, well, taking the test, uh, you know, amounts to a segregation society. And this is not Nazi Germany, OK? That's producing a segregation society. This is not Nazi Germany, OK? Yeah. Notice this, this is a complete overdrawing of what's gone on there. Complete and absolute overdrawing. There is no equivalence whatsoever between what down in, went down in Nazi Germany and that something's going to 
mildly inconvenienced maybe some people who want to go to a nightclub that great essential matter or a football match for that matter you know now obviously nightclubs not, 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 not very often have shareholders employees jobs football games you know billionaire owners shareholders lots and lots of people work in the places so there's, there, there, are, there are issues sure and there is a conflict between the needs of the economy, the needs of business, the needs of shareholders, the needs of employees on the one hand, you know, and public health measures on the others, they do pull in different directions. They do have to be balanced off against each other in some kind of sensible way. But to be quite, having, having a lateral f- flow test, because you want to go to a nightclub when you could stay at home, as he recommends, if you wanted to. <laughs> Stay at home. Use your free choice. Stay at home. It's somehow equivalent to Nazi Germany. I mean, a lot of people who, who lost relatives in World War Two, or, or, or you know, their family was wiped out in in extermination camps, are a bit pissed off with him for for uh, making light, actually. Yeah. Of, of that suffering. And, and and trying to draw draw the similarities here. I mean. When the the Nazis were uh, destroying uh, the people they des- deemed to be vermin or unworthy in some way, yeah. so disabled people yeah. or the Jews, that wasn't a choice, was it? You can't choose not to be a Jew or not to be disabled. But the yeah. va- the vaccine thing is a choice. You could yeah. you could be uh, vaccinated tomorrow, yeah. Yeah. and you could change what you know how how the law would see you. So that's completely different because you can you can choose. Yeah. You can choose the identity, whereas the, the whole Nazi thing is based on these ineluctable identities. Yeah. I mean, some of the ridiculous things that they, that, that they used to do, just to show how overdrawn and, and stupidly hyperbolic this is, is that if you wanted to get married, you had to prove back so many generations that you weren't Jewish, you know, or Roma or whatever, whatever the proscribed categories were, or black. You know, you could only marry another Aryan, you know. Rice laws, you could marry, but you had to marry another Aryan. And there was a whole bureaucracy that went and checked through all the birth certificates and stuff like that and tried to figure out whether you could legally marry. Now, that I would call it the Piper's Police Society, you know. But societies do do all sorts of stuff with our bodies. They conscript soldiers, and in my lifetime, conscription was a thing that every young man went in the army, whether they liked it or not, when they were 18. And in some cases were then sent to go and get their bollocks shot off or come back in a, in a box. And the Americans, you know, the great, the home of the brave and the land of the free, they were doing that in my lifetime as well with the Vietnam draft. You get told to go. You either go to jail or you go to Vietnam. Or you try and escape over the Canadian border, you know, in the home of the brave and the land of the fucking free. So it, it is bollocks. Now, I don't like it. I think society should exist and government should exist partly to, to help us through collective effort to maximise our freedom. And that means maximising our leisure time, doesn't it? I mean, all this carping about freedom that some of these the, 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 these libertarians go, go, go on about, you know, like like working class Tories who, who try and pu- push this line. Um, and what do they do? They go to work, and from nine o'clock until five o'clock, they are the complete fucking slaves of the boss. 
And in some cases, they can't even go to the toilet for more than uh, uh, an allowed 2.5 minutes or whatever the fuck it is. You know, once you're in the Amazon warehouse, you're a virtual slave. Where's the freedom there? So I'm not saying, I'm not trying to shill for fucking authoritarianism. But I'm trying to say that this guy talks with forked tongue about authoritarianism. And the hot, the Tories all do that. Johnson, all this appearance of the, the libertarian. He's a libertine, you know, with his eight, nine, ten, however many children, with however many women, you know, and, and his kind of party lifestyle and hanging around with the Russian oligarchs in the castle at, the, at their orgies or whatever the fuck it is that he's supposed to get up to. Who knows? But, you know, he's this shambolic libertarian libertine on the one hand, but with this deeply, deeply, deeply desire for fucking overwinning power, uh, uh, which has been pursued steadily in far more serious ways than this. This is actually a public health measure. It is a genuine public health measure. Can't say I like it, but what this bloke is saying about it is completely contradictory, and he himself is completely contradictory if not hypocritical. And it is either hypocrisy or a complete obliviousness to the undesirability of however much contradiction <laughs> in yeah. one's thinking, even though, of course, it's not completely possible to eliminate it. I concede that. But this is ridiculous. It is completely ridiculous, but yet it's gained purchase and the whole Nazi idea does seem to have rather uh, swept through... Yeah. Um, the minds of the what the susceptible. <laughs> yeah, I've seen this. I've seen this this argument just around on Facebook oh, and uh, 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 various social media. So you know it, it has gathered and unfortunately a bit of a momentum. I mean, the sad thing about that 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 is that it diverts attention from the places where the authoritarianism really, really is moving apace. And in a very, very, very dangerous manner. This isn't it. This is something on the periphery. Yeah. And it, it sucks all... This is it, just it, a it, dangling bauble of distraction yeah. from what's yeah. for the, from the authoritarian measures that they're really yeah. taking. I mean, this fish this fish has displayed, uh, uh, has voted for many authoritarian bills. I looked at his record. He has voted for many authoritarian bills. Yeah. And he, he describes this as all oh, the thin end of the wedge of the authoritarian dystopia. But, but the wedge is here. The wedge is the wedge has arrived, and he has helped the wedge to be well and firmly lodged into the uh, rectum of the body <laughs> into politic. The, into the rectum, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. The wedge is already here, and he he helped it as best as he could to get here. Yeah. So he, he's trying yeah. to describe our societies. Oh, we're yeah. free. This is this is the beginning of authoritarianism. Well, what we, we haven't noticed while we're all distracted with the the parties oh, and all the rest all, of it. all the other stuff is yeah. that uh, it's it, it's already here. Well, Jeremy Corbyn's hat, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. or whatever the fuck. Yeah, no, I mean no. that that thing you describing to me this morning about um, when you saw George Monbiot talking about what the um, what the policing bill really means in terms of our oh, ability to protest in the future, and that it's really awful. is terrifying. It means the police can keep lists of people who've been seen at protests, and that those people can be, without any trial or any any evidence or anything, just accept the basis that they're seen at a protest, can be forbidden to go into any more protests, and even from 
discussing the issue that the protest is about on on, on the internet, on social media. It's absolutely draconian. It is absolutely draconian. You know, that that is Nazi. This isn't. This is this is an attempt at public health. There are arguments both ways, I'm sure. But it's it's just not even in the same ballpark. But this this guy alights on that, whilst himself actually, you know, if you investigate him a little bit, proving to be quite authoritarian, or a selective libertarian of the of the of the right wing kind. Mm-hmm. You know, you hear libertarian, you think these are people championing freedom and freedom and liberty, which they do, but only for some people. This is the the nature of it. This is the nature of it. A, a, a deeply Tory society, a deeply capitalist society, cannot deliver freedom to most of the people. It cannot. Well, it relies on people being virtual slaves to keep the capitalism machine going, doesn't it? There you go, yeah. So... So it seems to me there's maybe even like a clever ploy here. If you want to be re- really hermeneutics of suspicion, there's a clever ploy. Because there's an admission that there's this authoritarian trend in the government, but that then it gets you looking in the wrong place for it, mm-hmm. so that they, 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 they then can carry on with it, carry on developing it, which they will do as long as they can get away with it. Yeah, okay. But it's also, you can see, like something for internal consumption in the Tory party, the fact that he did this two days before before the, the vote, right? You know, there's been some caucusing in the fucking tea rooms, you know, and in the, you know what I mean? Yeah. Bet- 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 between, uh, uh, you know, the, the people who are, who are thinking, well, Johnson is now a liability. More and more people in the establishment, including the Tory party as the political wing of the establishment, uh, are finding Johnson a liability. And this this manoeuvre by this fish is a manoeuvre in that game. I would say it's extremely unlikely that it wasn't, that he was just getting his knickers in a twist about about freedom. Because it doesn't stack up, given the guy's voting record. And this is typical, this is typical of the whole kind of, whole kind of complex of the way this particular Tory government uh, operates. I mean, it also occurs to me that the uh, the rebellion in Parliament with all the so many MPs, Tory MPs voting against Johnson, um, was partly a kind of a stick it to Johnson. Let's ask, express mm. our displeasure with him. Mm. Um, but also, they knew he wasn't going to lose because Labour had declared that they would back it up. That's right. So they, so they knew he was going to go through. Starmer anyway. gave him a free pass to have a dig at Johnson. Yeah. Now yeah. you can decide strategically whether that's smart or not. We shall see. It will. Uh, it will pan out in interesting ways. This, I think. Uh, my, my prediction is we'll see a couple of things knock all this sideways into some very weird, uh, long grass. Yeah. Uh, and strangeness and. Uh, There'll be a twist on this, I'm sure of it. Oh, yeah. Probably by the time we finish this podcast and we've got it <laughs> uploaded, yeah, something twisted. massive will have happened that will make this all out of date like it normally does. But anyway... Well, it's not out of date. Not, not out exactly out of date, but uh, changes would have changed what we'd said if we'd done it a few hours later, wouldn't it? Well, we're, prob- we're probably going to find by tomorrow that there's more we would like to add, but I think the substance of this is, is correct be- because because what we've focused on is trying to, is trying to give a structural analysis, you know. Of of the way this this outfit the, operates, yeah. And I think you'll see that it's it'll it'll be the same if they're still in office in two years' time. It'll still basically be the same. 
But it also occurs to me that uh, as well as sticking it to Johnson and trying to present themselves as on the uh, the side of the people and uh, the, the freedom and rights of the people, which they're clearly not. Another reason could be that the particular events which are going to need these passports for make a lot of money and they are probably owned by their billionaire backers, you know, the people mm. they're really working for mm. and um, they realise how incredibly pissed off the uh, the rich people would be if uh, some of their mm. events were lessened in their profit, profitability because of mm. these measures. So that's uh, another thing that's in the back of my mind as a possibility for the reasons why things have happened the way they have. As to the reasons why uh, the people in Labour who voted against this mm. bill... Uh, they seem to be uh, mainly people who are on the left, which is interesting. Yeah. They're the, so- and I, it's the I social, think, socialist campaign group. Yeah, I think... Um, I mean, I, well, I can only imagine what their thinking is, is that the more control that they encourage or allow the Tories to have over us, uh, the worse things are going to be, and... Perhaps it could be used against us in the future in ways that we don't expect yet. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe mm. that's just what they were thinking because, you know, the Tories are always going to do that. If they ever see a tiny chink where they could get in there and grab what they yeah, want and fuck everyone else, um, they will. I haven't actually heard any of these people speak speak, speak about, about this. Um, I know there's a lot of left people really have got their knickers in the twist about a COVID pass. As much as this guy, you know, some pe- people who, I would say, you know, socialist left, on sort of the Twitter, the Twitter left, quite a few of them take a similar line, you know, and seeing it as like a, 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 an authoritarian. But I, I think I think they need to take a closer look and a more detailed look, and they might change. You know, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not sort of fully. Um, Fully convinced, but I don't think it's the danger that this guy that this guy makes out, and it might be that this group voted against Starmer's wishes just to get one over on the Tories. You know, sticking I mean, to Starmer. I mean, it could have oh, Starmer could have could have used this to give him a defeat, but then of course he's alert to the fact that he would then be accused of playing politics with the health of the nation, mm. and he's taken a a decision on that. Now, whether it's a principled decision or a strategic, a political strategic decision, who fucking knows? And uh, it may be, if he'd have dug his heels in, he could have got something for it. Maybe. Who knows? It's all, it's, it's, it's very, it's very, um, <laughs> it's, it, it, it's very, very tricky to try and tease all, tease all that out. But I don't think it detracts from what we've said about this guy as, as a paradigm case or an exemplar of, of, of the mentality and of the, the philosophy, inverted commas, and the tendencies and the deeper wishes of this bunch of right-wing politicians. <laughs> That's kind of what I've got to say about that, really.
as to where we stand on the the covid pass idea the kind of events that they have outlined here that are going to require the pass i mean i would see as unnecessary at this time um I mean, we've got an unseated indoor event of 500 people or more or unseated outdoor events of 4,000 people or more or any event of 10,000 people or more. Any any events of of that nature I would consider not, not really, they're not life and death necessary right now. And I think if it was up to me, if I, if I had to kind of say what I was going to do about that, I think I would... Um, cancel all of those events for at least a month at least until we have better data about the the omicron variant and i would fully compensate all the um the, the owners of these uh, the venues and uh, the staff so that nobody lost out but that's the big thing that the tories don't want to do for sure uh, yeah. but i would i would make sure nobody lost out and there wasn't that least amount of inconvenience caused and just give it at least a month just to see what happened and allow more time for people to get the uh, mm. the, the booster mm. and then to review the situation from there. Well, these lot have been very, very reluctant to do those kind of things. You remember they were quite, quite late with the first lockdown. It's going to be the herd immunity. You know. Yeah. I mean, their their bias is towards uh, profits. Yes. And business, and then secondarily, yeah. as a secondary to that, towards jobs, because the profit makers need the workers to do the work to earn the, the to, to create the value for them to cream off some profit. And the, the, it's it's natural for for them, given that their uh, their belief in capitalism, that they would err on that side so and they've always and they're, they're light with everything and no doubt could have done a lot better vis-a-vis the death toll and the disruption oh, definitely. and there would have been less disruption in the economy in the long run yeah so but I, see they needed this to hide the uh, devastation of brexit didn't they <laughs> I do find it tremendously annoying that COVID came at exactly the right time for for the Tories so that they could just carefully hide Brexit underneath COVID. So the disruption <laughs> in the supply chain and the uh, the almost destruction of many businesses because of the incredible difficulties of sending their goods to the EU, which was really easy before Brexit. And the and the devastation to farming, fishing, and and so many other industries and and industries that really rely on um, uh, workers from Europe, like the hospitality industry is just just trashed uh, to get people and just to just to come and work in hotels, um, restaurants, even even uh, restaurants have a. Uh, a very what I would consider really posh with a very very good reputation. Uh, they uh, they can't open for all their shifts because they just don't have enough enough workers to come in and um, mm. and do the, the the necessary work. So it's, it's this this Brexit is massive massive problem neatly tucked underneath the COVID problem. So mm. if COVID runs and runs, I think it'd be great for the Tories actually. But anyway, 
And I'd just like to finish with this this quote that I heard the other day. Fortunately, I've watched so many things and read so many things. I can't remember where I got it from, but it's still a really, really excellent little sentence here. In a pandemic, one person's freedom is another person's death. So I hope everyone found our little ramble interesting there. A few, few things to think about and I hope you're all doing okay. Stay safe. Thank you for listening and we'll speak to you again soon. Yeah. Right, knowledge great again. I hope you're having a great multifactorial apocalypse.